0: Uh, pull out your outline, we're in our series called um, Hard Questions, Honest Answers, and uh, you know, the last two weeks have been a little controversial, and so we're going to deal with something that's not quite so controversial, at least probably for most of us. Uh, why do people still believe the Bible can be trusted? You know, when this question came in this past summer, it wasn't the question, can we trust the Bible? Because most people in our congregation say, yeah, we We can. But it came in a little bit of a different way, and, and that is, you know, I mean, we are careening toward postmodernism. We're, we're, I mean, we're there. We're, we're into postmodernism. We're into post-Christianity. We're into anti-Christianity. And so the idea is, isn't it possible that somebody somewhere has put together the definitive proof that the Bible is no longer reliable? And so that's what we want to talk about today. Why do people still say, even more than ever before, that the Bible can be trusted? So to to begin with, I want to take you back to the mid-1970s, to the mountains of New Guinea, and a young couple named Des and Jenny Oatridge had traveled deep into the mountains to meet with the Binyumarian tribe in New Guinea. And at the time, this tribe faced imminent extinction. When they arrived in the mid 1970s there were 111 people total in this tribe the language was dying the tribe was dying it was a dire situation why would the Oatridges who were very a very gifted couple why would they go to a dying tribe with a dying language and translate the bible into that language why would they do that it's because as they were praying, God had specifically encouraged them, I want you to go to the least of the least. And the surrounding tribes believed that the Benyemarian tribe was the least of the least. So they went to, the tri- went to the tribe and they began to serve them in a very humble location. So one day, Des was finishing the translation of Matthew chapter 1 and his assistant got very excited and the assistant said, we're going to have a meeting in our longhouse and we want you to be there. We want you to read what we've been translating, Matthew chapter 1. So Des is thinking, okay, a genealogy? Okay, I'm going to, I'll, 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 I'll do it, yeah. So um, he got to the longhouse. He began reading the genealogy of Matthew. And the tribesmen became very agitated and they leaned in closer and pretty soon they're like huddling around him and they're, they're very, very excited and he's wondering what is going on. And when he finished, everybody started speaking at once, everybody. And they said, why didn't you tell us this before? A genealogy? Why didn't you tell us this before? We believe that nobody would give a genealogy of spirit beings. Why would you do that? You only give a genealogy of real people. So what this is saying is that Jesus is a real person. Moreover, his genealogy is way longer than our genealogies. That must mean that he is a very important person and we should listen to him and trust him. Des was amazed. The genealogy of Matthew was proving the value of Jesus Christ. Now fast forward 25 years, 25 years. The binyumarian Bible is completely translated into the binyumarian language, which they invented. And Des had translated Genesis, and he had taught on biblical marriage and the biblical worldview of marriage, which we talked about last week, And all of a sudden, there is a renaissance within this tribe of marriage. The men are treating the women with dignity and honor and beauty. And guess what happened? There was a rise in fertility in that tribe. And that tribe that was facing imminent extinction, no longer faced extinction, quite the contrary, they began to have a lot of new babies and that tribe now is nearly a thousand people and thriving in that place now i want you to think about about what what happened in the span of 40 years a biblical worldview transformation took place among this tribe and the result of that biblical worldview transformation is that a tribe that faced extinction survived a language that faced extinction survived and the literacy of this tribe now allows them to face a changing world with power and with strength now i give you just just one culture where the bible rightly translated produced a biblical worldview transla- tr- transformation I-, I will tell you stories like this are occurring all over the world right now as the Bible is being translated and produced more than ever before. That's just just one story among many. But here's the problem in our culture. People living in America often get the the impression that with our rush toward postmodernism and post-Christianity and anti-Christianity that somebody somewhere uh, may have disproven the Bible Like, surely that's happened, right? Somebody at some, maybe Ivy League University, maybe West Coast University, somebody came up with the airtight argument that the Bible is wrong. Surely that's happened, right? No, it has not happened. Quite the contrary, the Bible today is subjected to more analysis than it has ever been subjected to before. One obvious analysis is that Logos Bible Software which I use every day is being used by millions of people. Let's say hundreds of thousands of people. And people are, are taking that software and subjecting the Bible to analysis based upon that software. And more than ever before, people are saying, <laughs> not, not only is this, is this true, but it hangs together in some incredible ways. The Bible is the most widely distributed book around the world. Wendell Rubenstein is is here from Bibles for China, and there's a table out in the atrium that will kind of show what they do. Uh, Amity Press in China is working seven days a week, 24 hours a day, churning out Bibles for the 1.3 billion people in China, and they're just scratching the surface right now. So... I just want to tell you that the Bible is is like alive and well like never before around the world. But we all here are first world people, aren't we? So you need first world reasons to demonstrate this. And that's what I want to do this morning give you four first world reasons to demonstrate this. The first reason comes from the field of archaeology. And uh, archaeology, as you know, is the excavation and the interpretation of physical artifacts that lie beneath the earth or the sea. My most favorite archaeologist is, uh, is uh, Indiana Jones. Um, but the most famous real archaeologist is a guy named Howard Carter, who uh, discovered the remains of King Tut, King Tutankhamen, in, his, in 1922. This guy discovered all sorts of other things before that, but when he found this, he knew he had hit major pay dirt. And the rest of his career was was, um, in uh, unearthing all of this stuff, which is flat-out amazing. In the year uh, 2016, we've definitely entered into the golden era of archeological studies. I don't think there's ever been a time where this field of study has been been more robust and diverse and active as it is in the year 2013. Do you realize that archeologists can contract with satellite providers and they can use specialized equipment to peer from the satellite and outer space into a particular piece of real estate And they can do analysis of that real estate to make sure that what they're looking for is actually there. They've done that, for instance, in the city of Ephesus. They've excavated part of it, but part of the rest of Ephesus is done with a NASA data set that they got off of a satellite. I'm telling you, this is amazing stuff that is happening. So you ask the question, okay...